Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. On March 24th, 1874, Eric Weiss was born in Budapest, Hungary. Over the following 52 years, the man would earn an international reputation and cement his place in history forever as the legend we now know as Harry Houdini. But his untimely death wasn't the end of his story. In life, he challenged the occult and went to war with the spiritualists. He made a pact with his wife, promising that if he were to die before her, he'd come back and make contact from the other side. If there was, indeed, another side. I'm Dave Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories. Celebrity Ghosts, Harry Houdini. Eric Weiss was the son of a rabbi who emigrated from Hungary to the United States, settling in Appleton, Wisconsin. His father could never make ends meet, and after he died, Eric, who was very close with his mother, vowed he'd never fail like his father had. He had an early infatuation with magic, and idolized French magician Robert Rudin. He held the magician in such high regard that he adopted the man's last name as his own, adding an I to the end of it, becoming Houdini. Early on, he tried his hand at many different acts, thriving to become a famous entertainer. From comedy to magic to trapeze performances in New York City, all without much success. In 1894, he met and married his wife, Bess, who went on to serve as a stage assistant. As I mentioned, there wasn't much success in the early years. That is, until he started escaping from handcuffs. On November 22, 1895, Harry Houdini walked into a police station in Gloucester, Massachusetts, and demanded they put him in handcuffs. After some resistance from the police, they finally agreed to secure a pair of handcuffs to his wrists. With a few quick maneuvers of his hands, he was able to drop the bracelets to the floor. The officers were stunned. They ransacked the station, bringing every style of handcuff for Harry to break out of. One by one, he freed himself from all of them. He repeated the act in Woonsocket, Rhode Island on the 27th, in Springfield, Massachusetts on the 28th, Holyoke, Mass. on December 1st, and Fall River, Massachusetts on December 9th. He originally did this stunt to promote a traveling burlesque show he was part owner of, and it worked so well that it became his main act. The more famous Houdini became, the more he felt compelled to up the ante with his acts. He quickly dropped all the other acts he was wasting his time with and focused solely on the art of escape. In each city Houdini would play, he would arrange to be tested by the local jailer. Houdini would allow himself to be stripped and searched by doctors to ensure he had no concealed locks, picks, or keys. He would then be manacled, locked securely within a cell, and within minutes, he would reappear free. In some instances, it would be discovered that he had unlocked the doors in the whole cell block and switched all the prisoners around. When one act started to get old, he'd dial it up. He'd challenge members of the audience to bring in handcuffs to escape from live at the show. He began upgrading his main act from handcuffs to straitjackets, from straitjackets to locked containers. One typical act he repeated over the years was escaping from a box that was locked, roped, weighted, and submerged in water from a boat. When that got old, he graduated to being suspended upside down 75 feet above ground in a straitjacket and chains. The most dangerous escape came in 1913 and was called the Chinese Water Torture Cell. In this trick, 
Houdini would have to escape an extraordinary contraption resembling a fish tank. This is filled with water while Houdini is placed head down in full view of the audience. His feet would be manacled, and when the tank was covered, he would somehow escape. Shortly after Houdini implemented the Water Torture Act while performing in Copenhagen, Harry received the life-changing news of his beloved mother's passing. He fainted when he heard the news. It took Houdini several days to make it back to New York. The family delayed burial, which is against Jewish customs, so that Houdini could have one last look at his mother. He placed in her casket a pair of wooden slippers, which she had asked him to get her in Europe. This marked a turning point in Houdini's life. His longtime friend, spiritualist Sir Arthur Doyle, and his wife, who was a medium, offered to have a seance to connect with Harry's mother. Harry went along with it out of respect for his friend, despite being a skeptic. Lady Doyle lit candles and arranged everyone in a circle to begin the ritual. After a few minutes, she made the sign of the cross and began scribbling away in her notepad. When she was done, she had three pages of messages to Harry from his mother. He thanked the couple, who believed the event was a success, and walked out the door, silently fuming. He was not impressed. His mother, being Jewish, would not have made the sign of the cross, and all the notes were written in English, a language his mother did not speak. After this, Houdini became obsessed with calling out spiritualists and psychic mediums he believed were fraudulent and taking advantage of people. One prominent medium he singled out was a Boston woman by the name of Mina Crandon, publicly known as Marjorie. She was the most serious contender for a $2,500 prize offered by Scientific American magazine to the first medium who could produce conclusive psychic manifestations under test conditions. Houdini eagerly joined the investigative committee. He published a pamphlet at his own expense, slamming the medium, and staged a dramatic expose at Boston Symphony Hall. The Crandons eventually caved under the massive amount of pressure drummed up by the huge influence of Houdini, and the committee voted to deny her prize. When Houdini announced to the seance attendees that the game was rigged, Marjorie and her spirit guide, Walter, were furious. Houdini, you goddamn son of a bitch, Walter yelled. I put a curse on you that will follow you every day for the rest of your short life. Before long, Houdini didn't just have Marjorie's career in a death grip. He was strangling the entire spiritualist movement. In August 1926, Walter declared, Houdini will be dead within a year. After Marjorie's unmasking, Houdini topped it off with a one-man Broadway show called Do Dead Men Come Back, which featured the magician at his medium-busting best. Houdini went on to battle the spiritualists and psychic mediums until 1926. While on the road on October 22nd, a McGill student named J. Gordon Whitehead approached Harry, who was lying in a hotel dressing room, and asked if he could test the theory that Houdini was capable of withstanding any punch to the abdomen. Before he could get up, Whitehead attacked Houdini with a barrage of punches to the gut, causing Harry to throw his hand up and say, That's enough. Houdini refused to stop performing, despite the excruciating abdominal pain that he was feeling. He performed two more shows before his wife Bess pleaded with him to see a doctor. He said, quote, I won't miss the show. I'll perform, even if it's the last show I do. It was the last show he would do. He asked his assistant to lower the curtain during the third act and collapsed where he stood. He continued to refuse medical treatment until the next morning. He was rushed to the hospital where he had his appendix removed, but it was too late. On Halloween 1926, Harry Houdini died, surrounded by his wife and his brother. Houdini himself debunked mediums, proving that most were frauds. He promised his wife, Bess, that if it were possible to communicate with the dead, he would come back to her should he die first. And he gave her a code to help prove it. 
best tried every year on the anniversary of his death, but was unsuccessful. After a decade, she gave up. But it didn't take long for hundreds of mediums to emerge, claiming that they had received messages from the late magician. Others continue the tradition to this day, and although the official seance hasn't had any results, there have been multiple claims of sightings of Houdini's ghost at many locations, most of which theaters and venues where he performed. One theory places his ghost in Los Angeles. He's believed to haunt an old stone staircase at a ruined estate in Laurel Canyon Boulevard in Hollywood. Another theory places his ghost at Niagara Falls in Canada. The Houdini Magical Hall of Fame features some material used by the late magician. Houdini had instructed his brother to burn it in the event of his death so that nobody would learn his secrets, but that didn't end up happening for whatever reason. Now it's believed that his ghost guards the secrets. In the first year of operation, there were six unexplained fires, a robbery, and a freak accident where an employee walked through a plate glass window. If Houdini's ghost is haunting this museum, it is most definitely not a happy ghost. Houdini spent many years debunking the people who talked to ghosts. It is possible the man who disputed the existence of ghosts now walks the earth in spirit form. It is possible a spirit doesn't even know that he's passed on. And it is entirely possible that the great Harry Houdini became a ghost who doesn't believe in ghosts. What's up, folks, and welcome to Hometown Ghost Stories, special side content episode, Celebrity Hauntings, the one and only Harry Houdini. I'm here with Rob Coakley. What's up, Rob? be so cool if I just disappeared right now. <laughs> that would be cool. Luckily, you will not get out of the handcuffs that we've placed you in for this episode because you're no escape artist. <laughs> we handcuffed you to your cursed chair. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way you get out of that one. And uh, we're here with Dave Wilkins. Dave, how are you? I'm well, thanks. So that's the story of Harry Houdini. Uh, one of my favorites. Love this. Love this uh, story. Such a such his a cool. Whole, go ahead. Yeah, his whole story, beginning to end, is just awesome. Like, like his life is just crazy. For for, you know, for so many different reasons, you get the you know the performance and entertainment part of it, and then you get like he goes to war with the spiritualists, and then it's still going on today. He's still he's still haunting. <laughs> so it's just a it's a crazy roller coaster. It absolutely like, is. I just like that he like his whole job was to was to deceive people, and then he's like, "No, no, no, not you guys, though, not the way you're deceiving people." I understand his, the difference. His, his no, well, his 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 reasoning behind that. He says, "I am an illusionist." He's like, "I am, I am here to trick you, and I'm telling yeah. you that that's what I'm doing. I'm tricking you. My illusions trick you." Uh, and he says, yeah, "That's what his, his problem with um with the mediums were." He says, "You're." you're doing the same thing I'm doing, but you're lying about it and saying that you're genuine. And right. that, that pamphlet that he put out on Marjorie um, was basically just like a booklet telling everyone how she does her act and how she does her tricks. Uh, and you just take each one of her, her, he called them acts. He took each one of her acts and just debunked every single one of them. And they were pissed. They were so mad. And um, he didn't just stop. He didn't just, he didn't stop at her either. He, he took down 
several mediums and he even went to Congress and lobbied to try and get a law passed to get it, to make it illegal for um, medium to take money from people. So the story with her is, is very intriguing because she was like, you said, you said in the episode that she's one of the most well-known of the time spiritualist. And I don't know if you dug dove into her act at all, but apparently she used to perform on stage naked Mm-hmm. And in the middle of her performance, she would have something she called like ectoplasm come out of parts yeah. of her body. And that was part of the show, which is like, especially for that time period, is very sensational. Yeah, and, absolutely. And then when he debunked her, he was invited to one of her seances and he went there with the intentions of debunking her. And he sat there and he's like trying to figure out how she did everything. And he thought he had it all like figured out or something like that. And he's like, you know what? Can we do it again? Can you show me one more time? And like he catches her red handed, like lifting the table on her own. And that's when he was like, all right, now I got you. Yeah. There were were a lot of these um, mediums and psychics that would get busted at the time. Um, a lot of the stuff would be knocking or they would go into like these little closets and then ghosts would come out of the closet. And there was one that was really famous. Um, I can't remember the names exactly, but there was this woman who had this show that was just really getting popular and, and or not a show, but the people would come to these seances and she would disappear into this, uh, this shelf or this like cabinet or something like that. And then moments later, this ghost would come out that did happen to look a lot like her. The thing was she would be tied to a chair or chained to a ground to the ground inside the closet um, while this ghost was walking around talking to people. And it went on for a while and it got a lot of uh, recognition to a point where um, they had a journalist uh, like this doctor who, who came in and lived at the house and, and witnessed hundreds of these performances. And he never could debunk how, she was doing it and who this ghost was. And it's a long story. And there's a lot of speculation about maybe he was having an affair with her. And she had a sister that looked enough like her where she could have been chained to the ground or something like that. But you had so many of these, but a lot of these did get debunked where, you know, there would be knocking and there was one woman who was caught. She had a a long piece of wood inside her dress and she would just be slamming it on the floor. And they're like, Oh, that's not, that's not a ghost making those noise. That's you. But there was one seance with with Houdini in uh, the or not with Houdini. Where one seance where they were trying to contact Houdini's ghost in the seventies. It was in Niagara Falls, and um, as they were trying to conjure up his ghost or, or make connection with him, uh, I guess a flower pot fell off the shelf and Houdini's book fell off the shelf, and it just so happened to open up to the chapter about um, do dead. What was it? Do um, do the dead return? So that was the page that it opened up to, and everyone was like, "Well, that must be him." So that must have that. been at the um, at that museum that yeah. is allegedly haunted. And that backstory is pretty pretty good because it was where they put all the um, the secrets of his work on display that he wanted destroyed, and his brother didn't end up getting it. So I guess the story is that his ghost is there, either trying to protect it or just really pissed off that it you know that they didn't destroy it. Well, crazy. Like he wanted it burned and like the building burned six times. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's where I was going to go with it. Like he wanted it all burned. I think his brother might've died unexpectedly is what happened or something to that effect before he destroyed it. So 
yeah, and now stuff's catching on fire there. And it's like, I think his old residence caught on fire as well. So -hmm. there's a lot of fire that's tied to Houdini after his death. And it's like, is he just going around trying to get rid of anything that he can? And that's his method is like, he's summoning as much energy as he can to to try to light these things on fire. And I'm not sure if any of it got destroyed. um, I don't, I don't know that it did, but I do know that like the, um, the tricks to how he did his escapes were leaked. So it's, it's out there and it's pretty, you know, say disappointing, but you know, it's, it's a magic act. It's an act. So, you know, that like every time you hear how somebody does a magic trick, so it's like, ah, that's not cool. Um, but basically like when he was getting out of the water tanks, it was, um, you know, every time that he performed, he performed behind a curtain. So they lower him into the tank and they raise up a curtain and then he would escape and come up from behind the curtain. So that was his act. And basically he was just had an assistant that was just letting him out. That was how he was doing it from behind the curtain. So <laughs> it's like, um, I mean, those are like the really big acts where like people couldn't figure it out, but like he would really go into, um, he could really break out of handcuffs. He could really break out of prison cells. He was actually going in. He went into, he did it in Germany. He went to a, um, to the prison. I don't know what town it was in, but he went to the local jail there and he was like, lock me up. This is my thing. And they're like, all right, we'll lock you up. He locks out. He broke out. He broke out and they're pissed. Like they're just, they just arrest him. Like, yeah, they were just, yeah, they're I don't know where we're, I don't know where we're going to put you, but sit in this cruiser for now. <laughs> I know. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, they, uh, German police are not known for their senses of humor, I guess, but they were not happy. So there yeah. are two stories that I do want to touch on because I, I, I'm not sure if this is the same one that you briefly um, alluded to. If I had known, if I had done, if I had actually watched your episode when you sent it, I would be more prepared for this. But there was a psychic that received. Or you watched it just in received, a few minutes ago. <laughs> I did watch it then. And you didn't touch on the story that I thought you were going to touch on. So there was two two different stories from the same psychic that uh, were different than the rest. Because, like you said, hundreds of psychics over the years have tried to connect with those ghosts. So there was one that did deliver the message to Houdini's wife that was supposed to be a secret message that, uh, that only she knew that Houdini did. So he delivered that message to her and she's like, Holy shit, he's got it. And then they kind of started picking around. They're like, well, if he had read extensively on this, cause then it got exposed that this guy was reading into his patients before he would see them. Or I don't know if you call them patients, but his uh, clients. So, that's like, that's a big no, no in the psychic community. So it's like, that's like your palm reader, you know, doing a little a Facebook search, search and, yeah. you know, it, it value, like, okay, well, I know that your father must be named Frank. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, you know that cause you read about it. Uh, but the other one that he got was a message from Houdini's mother and he got that right. And Houdini had never disclosed that with anyone. So, um, or besides his wife. So his wife was like, how did, he get that message from his mother. So she, she had debunked. She said that it could be neither here or there with the message that Houdini left for his wife, but there was a message that he had left for his mother, which I think was one word. It was like uh, forgiveness or something like that. But for him to know about it, for him to guess that word correctly, uh, that was the one that stuck out where she was never able to figure out how he did that. Now, the fact that he was kind of exposed as a fraud, that makes me think that, um, he might have found might have found a way. Maybe he found a writing that Houdini made that his wife didn't know about, or something along those lines. Or it was just a really lucky guess. But there was someone who did apparently crack the code. So the code was his- the code was uh, 
Rosabelle answer, tell, pray, answer, tell, look, answer. That's the one he got that his that he left for his wife. Right. For yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, so he got that correct. And then the other one was uh one that um f- something to do with his mother. Right. Well the mother one's interesting that in front of me, because but. uh I wonder what that was that he got from her. Because the original seance that Houdini and uh Sir Sir Doyle did um Houdini was pissed off because he, they're like oh yeah we got we we spoke we spoke to your mother and she did the sign of the cross and she's Jewish and then you know rattles this right you know rant off in English and he was just so mad because he's like she didn't speak English you know so yeah so I wonder what he could have said you guys he, talk about amongst yourselves I have a book I'm gonna go get it and we're gonna get it, to the bottom of this I'll be right back book is it? All right. um so but the other thing I find interesting is up until at least recently, I'm not sure if they're still doing it, but this seance is still held every Halloween to try to contact the spirit of Houdini. And I know for a long time, if not still, Penn and Teller are the ones who organize it, as well as other magicians, I think. Right? Yeah, it's a pretty big event. Uh, you have to be invited to it. You can't right. just anyone can't just show up. But yeah, it's a lot of magicians. I know David Copperfield was uh, had a hand in it for a little while, and uh, I do believe Penn and Teller. I don't know if they still do it, but they were doing it for a long time. But I know they it still does happen. I think it happens in Florida. Am I wrong? I don't. I don't know where they do it or if they change locations on it. Mm. Um, I probably should have looked more into that at some point. But I knew that was a thing that happened. That was just. Off of like memory from a while ago. Yeah. Which is pretty I, cool that they do it. I would hopefully they'll see this episode and invite me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> can, we, can we come, please? We, come, you, we, we, we did a 10 minute episode on Houdini, I think. We did. We, we did. now deserve to be part of this committee that Forever. brings Houdini back. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So now what Jesse's distracting me. What did you what find? The, what did you it? find? I'm not allowed to talk about it because it's because it's frowned upon. I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, So I had read the uh, the life and afterlife of Harry Dooney, written by Joe. Whoops, how's that? Posnansky. We are off the rails on this episode. Uh, It was a very thorough book, and it was very good, and he covered all these things. But um, what he didn't cover are some of the conspiracies surrounding Houdini's death. So he died of uh, an infection from from his appendix bursting. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the like people are saying, like, oh, the maybe his uh, appendix exploded because the dude punched him. That's that's definitely not what happened. But the most interesting, I think, conspiracy theory surrounding his death was that the um, the spiritualists had actually hired an assassin to poison him. And that's what the um, sickness was because he was, um, he, like I said, he earlier, he was going to Congress trying to get their practice banned like legally. And oh, it was right around the time hard. where he got sick. So it wasn't the punch that made his appendix explode. Um, but it, they, they could, they're saying it could have been poison. Like at the time they thought it was appendicitis, so that you know medicine back then who knows um it probably was but there's a chance that he could have been poisoned which i thought that was pretty interesting that's interesting okay so the skeptic was his name was arthur ford i don't know if you talked about him in the episode uh the original one that he went to was who uh cecilia that was one that he was too much with 
Oh, uh, it was uh, Lady Lady Doyle. Anyways, uh, there was also a Cecilia. Anyways, um, her name might have been Cecilia. Could have been. So the word that so first of all he cracked the code. He did do that. He was the first one to do it. Um, but the other one that he gave the word that um, from his mother was forgive, and that was something that he had been hoping to hear from Cecilia when he first began trying to make contact with her spirit. Um, there was a family disagreement between Houdini and his brothers. That was not a publicly known thing. And then um, and, um, he was able to uh, – Arthur Ford went to his grave claiming that he had received a genuine message from Houdini, and perhaps he did. So that was uh, one that Houdini's wife thought was – she couldn't figure out how he knew about that. And um, so that was the uh, that was the message. But it was Arthur Ford, and like I said, he was widely criticized. It was uh, um, about how he, he was the first one to crack the code from Houdini to his wife. Anyways, that's pretty good. I mean, the the code you can kind of explain away, saying that there was it was available. He could have he could have found it if he did his research. But it's interesting when they when in mediums they'll they'll catch they'll catch me off guard sometimes because my instinctively I'm like I feel like most of them are not honest. And every once in a while you hear a story about a medium from somewhere and they just have some information that there's just no possible way for them to have come up with. I definitely believe like, that there are, I don't have an answer. Yeah, I definitely I believe that there are legitimate mediums out there. I just think that there is a ton of them. And it was really bad back in this time. That was when the whole movement was, it was like the spiritualist movement. So that's when that was all happening. And it was a monetary thing. They were putting, it was basically like, like circus sideshows and people, and people would flock to go see it. There was a whole bunch of them. We're going to cover more of them for sure. Cause there was a bunch of really famous ones, including the Eddie brothers, which uh, I was going to do this week on my episode. Instead, we're going to do a different one. But uh, the following, my following show, I'm going to cover the Eddie brothers. And this is kind of what they were doing. They had a show and nobody ever figured out how the hell they did it. These guys were like illiterate. And, but they were having, we'll get into it more in the show, but they were holding these seances. And there was these spirits that were conjured up that were speaking different languages from all over the world. These guys were broke. They couldn't read or write there was no way they could have put this all together without a fortune backing them for this kind of performance. But we'll get more into that when we get there for sure. But so I, I could see why like they would be so upset and I that would not surprise me if they had him killed um, because he was that, that is a monetary reason. Like, like that is their livelihood. So right. you could see that. But again, like I said, it was really popular in this time. It's still pretty popular today. There were a lot of bullshit arts out there, but I think there were some legitimate ones for sure. And I think there still are. So with all that being said, where do we land? Do we think that Houdini's ghost is roaming? I don't. You don't? I do not. I'd have to look into I'd have to look more into the ghost stories. Um but I don't I I think I would I would lean more towards no. And because because he hasn't really made contact with his wife. That's what I'm thinking. Like if he if he was if he was, he would have he would have hit his wife up. He wouldn't be going to these other mediums and saying, talking to them. He would be, I think, he would have went to his wife. Would have went to his well, wife. Yeah. What if he's not even going to his wife? He's just tied to the artifacts that need to be disposed of. That's a possibility. So, so but I still, I, but I think when it comes to all these psychics that are saying that they're making contact with it with him, I don't believe uh, it. I, yeah, I believe that sure. if he was, he would have gone out of his way to make contact with his wife. Again, we don't know the rules. Maybe he is making contact with the other side. He's like, hey, if you see my wife, tell her I said this. I keep ending up in the wrong seances. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know how it works. Yeah, yeah I for, think... Um, go ahead, Rob, if, sorry. 
I think for me, it's if it's anything, it's he's just an angry spirit, um, almost like an Onrio, which is something we covered on some side content. Maybe not exactly an Onrio, but like that type of spirit where he's just pissed that his stuff didn't get destroyed, and maybe he's tied to it until it's actually destroyed. And that's why there's stuff catching on fire and you catch him in places that either housed his materials in his possessions or are currently housing his possessions. So definitely, I, don't know, I think it's definitely a possibility. There is always the theory that I left off that 10 minute episode with, which is if he's a ghost, he might not know he's a ghost and he might be a ghost that does not believe in ghosts because he doesn't know he's dead. Right. Which is my favorite theory. That's a fun one. Yeah. It's got a lot of layers to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I, well, I, I think it's definitely a possibility. So I, I don't know. I kind of lean more towards he, he is roaming. I would have to look more into the hauntings aspect. I'm the problem with a story like this is I'm way more interested in like his life story than mm-hmm. his ghost story. But I would, I would definitely be a uh, more prone to look into the ghost story before I make a final conclusion. But my, I would say I, I would lean more on the probably not, side i just think that like it makes the ghost story more his life story makes the ghost story more interesting just such a mysterious dude yeah for sure right he's always so serious in his photos just and if anyone's gonna find out how to become a ghost it's an illusionist right they're gonna look for every angle on something like that so Mm -hmm. he was mixed in with the community whether it was good or bad so right there was that for sure anyways uh i want to thank you guys for tuning in this has been a side content Celebrity hauntings. I almost said cursed possessions. Not a cursed possession, but celebrity hauntings. Harry Houdini. The ghost of Harry Houdini, perhaps. <laughs> so, perhaps. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back on Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we always are, for a brand new live episode of Hometown Ghost Stories. Make sure you uh, drop a sub. Let us know what you think in the comments. Do you think Harry Houdini's ghost is still lingering? And do you think that the some of these uh, mediums made contact with them? Let us know what you think. Yeah, actually, hit us up somewhere and let us know because I am interested to see other people's thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the book I will now reveal was Zach Baggins' Ghost Hunting for Dumbest. <laughs> oh, that's why. Oh, we got yelled at at the convention because I brought it up. They're like, oh, uh, I love this book. I'm just going to throw it up there. I think it's a thorough book. It's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. by the paranormal community now. Thanks, Jesse. Well, it's neither here nor there. But anyways, that's where that came from. So, anyways, we're gone. We'll talk to you. See ya. <laughs>